Good morning, and please uh, open up your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Our text will be verses 10 to 17 this morning. And on Sunday nights, uh, I've had the privilege of teaching through 1 Corinthians, and it's been a very edifying experience for um, myself and our Bible study group. So when Pastor Joe asked me uh, to preach this morning, uh, I knew immediately that I wanted to preach out of 1 Corinthians. Uh, I also had made the decision that I wanted to preach exactly where we are in our verse-by-verse Bible study on Sunday nights. And in God's providence, we are in a passage uh, this morning that is highly important and often misunderstood. So uh, this morning I get to uh, preach uh, this text, and then tonight Sherry and I will open up our home and I'll be able to teach this text. So that makes for a really great day. In our passage this morning, we are going to see that the believer's works will be tested ultimately before God to see whether they have any eternal value. Now, this is a very important theme and a very important subject. One of the greatest motivating forces in the life of the Apostle Paul was this very truth, that Jesus was coming back and that he would come, and when he came, he would And when he comes, he's going to have a time of evaluation and reward. And Paul prepared himself for that. It wasn't that he was crass. It wasn't that he was indulgent. It's that he wanted all kinds of glory and honor for himself. It was that if he was going to be involved in anything, Paul was going to be all in, all in. If he was going to run a race, as he said in 1 Corinthians 9, he was going to run it with one thing in mind, and that was to win. Uh, No one ever honored somebody who quit. Uh, And so Paul, if he was going to fight a fight, he fought to win it. Uh, This is just how the Christian life is. And if you give anything less than a total commitment to it, You have dishonored God. And so reward for the Christian life isn't so much a matter of, again, earning a crass benefit or being motivated by your own glory as it is much of a fact that I want to honor the one who placed me here by giving my best. So let's uh, read our text together. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Our text is going to be verses 10 to 17. You follow along as I read. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with 
gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will indicate it because it is revealed with fire. And the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Do you not know that you are a sanctuary of God, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the sanctuary of God, God will destroy him. For the sanctuary of God is holy, and that is what you are. Paul was motivated to live life for eternal reward. Paul knew the truth that Jesus stated in Revelation 22, which says this, Behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me to give to every man according to what he has done. Paul knew that truth. His supreme objective in life was glorifying his God and Savior. And it was to prepare himself to stand before the Lord and be able to hear him say, well done, good and faithful slave. It's not that he wanted glory and honor for himself uh, or wanted to prove himself better than other Christians, uh, showing them up in Christian service. Uh, He wanted the highest reward because that would be the most pleasing to the Lord himself and would graphically demonstrate his love for his Lord. So in speaking about believers' rewards, Paul was not talking about judgment on our sin. I want to make that very clear. This passage has nothing to do with your salvation. Your sin, not in part, as we sang, but as as a whole has been dealt with in Jesus Christ. Redemption Hill, the subject here is not God's judgment on sin. However, the Word of God is very clear. 2 Corinthians 5.10, Romans 14.10, along with this passage I just read, clearly state that every believer, every Christian will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And, as it says in 2 Corinthians 5.10, give an account of himself before God. In fact, uh, let's flip forward. I want you to see that. Flip forward to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians uh, 5, verse 10. Just flip forward a few pages, and let's read this together. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. I want you to understand there's coming a day when we will be judged on the basis of what we have done as Christians. 
Now we know who the judge is because John 5.22 said, the Father gave the Son all judgment. Uh, so Christ is the judge, and that is why it's called the judgment seat of Christ. Now, what is the purpose of this judgment? Maybe you've heard of the judgment seat of Christ. What is the purpose? It's simply this. Every person's life work will be manifested and tested. Or in the words of Romans 14, 12, every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. So I've already stated, there isn't any judgment future to see whether you get into heaven or not. Uh, your faith in Jesus Christ has already sealed that. So it isn't a matter of qualifying you for heaven. You've already been qualified for heaven by your faith in Christ. But now watch, watch this. When Jesus comes for us, what he does when Jesus returns, what is he going to do? Well, uh, let's flip back to 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians, and I want you to look at uh, chapter 4, verse 5. Just one chapter forward. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. What's going to happen when the Lord returns? It says this. In uh, first, or, um, yes, 1 Corinthians uh, Chapter 4, verse 5. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and make manifest the motives of our heart. And then follow this. And then each one's praise will come to him from God. I want you to see that. What's coming when the Lord returns for the believer is not condemnation, it is not judgment, but follow, it is praise. It is praise from the Lord. It says that so clearly in our text. So let's go back to, uh, again, chapter 3 in our text. So again, it, it, when the Lord comes, you see every believer will have praise, um, there, there won't be anybody condemned, any Christian condemned. There won't be anybody uh, shipped back to, uh, to hell from heaven when the Lord returns. What he is going to do when he comes back is he's going to evaluate your life and he's going to give reward. There will be no one who will have to be punished. Christ bore all punishment. There will only be, follow me, there will only be praise. There will only be praise. But there will be varying degrees of praise, depending on the work of your life. When it says in 2 Corinthians 5, which we just read, we shall all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, when we initially hear that, it sounds kind of... of uh, punitive, right? Um, it's a little bit scary, but I want you to understand that the word in the Greek is bema, bema. And it's, it refers not to a tribunal or a court. It refers to uh, the Olympic Stadium, uh, which was just outside uh, the city limits of Corinth. 
And I've actually had uh, the opportunity to go to Corinth and I've seen the ancient ruins and I've seen the, the, the little stadium, the Olymp little Olympic stadium uh, that was there. And so whether uh, it was a, uh, you know, a garland or a laurel reef or an oak leaf, oak leaf cluster uh, or whatever it was, it was an award. Uh, it was an award, and when you were a winner, you walked up to the bema, uh, the judgment seat or the evaluation, and you would step onto that uh, platform. Uh, you would ascend to the bema, and there was there a reward for your victory, for your win, uh, in some sort of an Olympic uh, event, and that is what uh, the Bema seat uh, is. It's, a, it's in a reward. It's an award ceremony. And listen, every believer will be at the Bema. You will, if you are a Christian, you will um, stand, as it were, on that platform and to receive your praise for your life. Everyone is going to get an award, a reward, a prize. Everybody will have praise, some more than others. Uh, some will be more highly honored than others because some will have far more lasting and eternal work. Others will have had worthless effort, but will all be saved. That's this judgment. So Paul here in our passage shows that all believers, as we read, are building a building. And they're building that building out of certain materials. And there's coming a, a fiery test. And the fire will be applied to their building. And only what is left of your building will be rewarded. But every believer is going to have something left. It might be just a little tiny piece. It, it will be a little bit of praise, but everyone's going to get some. It has nothing to do with condemnation. As we know, uh, there is no condemnation for those in, who are in Christ. But there will be an opportunity to have the value of your Christian life is going to be evaluated. It's going to be tested. Uh, Paul uses the analogy of a building. You're building a building. The foundation is Christ. It's going to go through the fire and only what has been done for the Lord will have any eternal value. So with that in mind, let's take a look at our text. So using the figure of a building, Paul discusses five aspects of the work that we do here on earth. He talks about the master builder. He talks about the foundation. He talks about the materials, the test, and then the workmen. That's our outline. Number one is the master builder. The master builder. Verse 10. Let's look at it together. According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation and another is building on it, but each man must be careful how he builds on it. Now here Paul introduces himself as the master builder and a wise 
one at that. Paul was a, a foundation man. We understand that. He was the guy that went around and started churches. In fact, he wrote to the Romans, uh, he says, I didn't go to certain places because I didn't want to build on someone else's foundation. He strictly wanted to go where Christ had not been named, and there he would win people for Christ. He would teach basic doctrine, and he would establish the foundation of Christ. Uh, uh, he would establish the foundation on Christ. Now, he's not boasting here. He's not saying, uh, hey, of course you realize uh, I'm the guy that uh, is the most important because I laid the foundation. Uh, no, no, that's not what he's saying. He's, trying, he's not trying to brag. What he's saying is, at the first part of this verse, he doesn't want to take and he avoids taking any credit because it was all by the grace of God. He says, according to the grace of God giving to me, to me like a wise master builder, I laid the foundation. I did it only because God was gracious enough to commit that ministry to me. That's all. I don't claim anything. So he's not taking any credit. He's not again saying, oh, hey, look, I'm the greatest. I laid the foundation and everybody else just adds to what I've done. No, he's saying by God's grace, I have laid the foundation. I arrived. I preached Christ. You were saved. The church was begun. 18 months, uh, he was in Corinth. He says, I was there for 18 months. I gave you sound doctrine. I'm a, my, I'm a wise master builder by grace and grace alone. And if it weren't for God's grace, I'd still be a persecuting blasphemer, which is what the Apostle Paul was. Now he says, I laid the foundation. I have laid it, and another builds on it. In the case of Corinth, the next guy in was Apollos. And, and Apollos built on what Paul had begun. And Apollos was followed by others. And all the believers are really part of it because he says at the end of verse 10, right? Let every man take heed how he builds upon it. Paul says, I started the work. Uh, I had the, apost uh, you know, the apostolic foundation of the doctrines concerning Jesus Christ. Everyone else adds to it and take heed how you do it. The foundations of Christianity Redemption Hill Bible Church are laid. Do you know that? Do you know that? Christianity doesn't need new foundations. They're laid. We're building on what has already been done. Uh, the word for building is in the present tense. Uh, another continually builds on it. The word for, uh, and you see that in verse 10, you see that, that phrase, laid the foundation. Uh, that's an aorist, uh, an historical one-time event that happened in the past. That's done. That'll never be repeated. The foundation was laid. We are building on the one foundation. Though all of us are not at the same degree building on that apostolic foundation, we are all building on it. Because, listen, every one of you has a ministry. Is that not true? If you're saved, do you have a ministry? Yes, you do. Every one of us has a ministry based on that foundation which has already been laid, and we are to be careful how we build 
on that foundation. Secondly, we come from the master builder to the foundation. Let's look at verse 11. For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, here we are introduced to the foundation itself. What is this foundation that Paul has laid? Let me ask you, what is the foundation of Christianity? What is it? Is the foundation of Christianity our ethics? Uh, Is it that we're kind to people, we're nice, we're gentle, we're loving, uh, we take care of the poor? Is that our foundation? What is the foundation of Christianity? Is it tradition? Is it the historical church? What is it? Somebody asks you, what is the foundation of Christianity? How are you going to answer? Well, verse 11 answers it for us. What does it say? For no one can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is what? Jesus Christ. Christ is the foundation of Christianity. And look, you can only build on the true doctrine of Christ. The foundation is Christ. And in a sense, Redemption Hill Bible Church, the foundation is the whole of the Word of God. Apostolic doctrine was all about Christ. Uh, The Gospels were written to give us the history of the life of Christ. The epistles were given to us as commentary about that life and to draw principles from that life. The book of Revelation is written to tell us that Christ is still alive and reigning and will return. The whole of the New Testament is Christ. Christ, His life on earth in the Gospels. Christ active in the church in Acts, which we've been studying. Christ's work commented and explained in the epistles. Christ coming again, the revelation. It's all Christ. They laid the apostles' doctrine as the foundations, the doctrines concerning Jesus Christ. You cannot build on any other foundation other than that. There are no new foundations. Christianity doesn't need a new foundation. And let me say, uh, this has really been particularly on my heart lately. You, you can't have Christianity with a human Jesus. I see in our day people trying to build a Christian building without the original foundation, and they want to use a human Jesus. Look, it's everywhere. The, the entire uh, Jesus gets us movement. Right, which I saw even during the Super Bowl, is a different Jesus. It's a human Jesus. Uh, And the Catholics are trying to build a building around tradition rather than the doctrines of Christ. And some people are trying to build on the foundation of good works. Some people try to build their their Christianity on uh, morality and ethics and good deeds and all these things. But the only life for a Christian... And the only foundation for church life is Jesus Christ. 
if that foundation goes, everything falls. And that's precisely what's happening in our world today. The, tri- the church is trying to build itself without the true foundation. And individuals are trying to build a meaningful life on something other than Jesus Christ, and they are finding it to be impossible. Your life will have no meaning if your foundation is not Jesus Christ. He is the only foundation which a person may build a fitting temple to God. He is the only foundation. There can be, my friends, no church, no home, no family, nothing built with any lasting values unless it is built on Jesus Christ. Paul says, I was the master builder. Jesus is the foundation. All right, let's look at the third point. On top of that foundation comes number three, the materials. How are you going to build on this foundation of Christ? Now, I just want you to get this in your mind. This is what Paul had in his, he's trying to communicate to us. There's a a foundation, and you're looking it over uh, on this lot, your lot, right, which is your life, and uh, there's the foundation And you're going to build your life, your Christian life. There's only one foundation. But do you realize on that foundation there are many materials in which you can build your life? Many materials. Did you know that? And yes, you will be building. If you're a Christian, you're building something. Different materials all have a place in building. That's right, right? We understand the concept. There are many different materials we can use. Uh, and why do some Christians live such a crummy life and others are so committed to God? Because some are gold and some are silver and some are precious stone and some are wood and some are hay and some are stubble Christians. <laughs> Don't be a stubble Christian this morning. There's a variety of materials. You have a lot, and you have a foundation, and that foundation is Jesus Christ. Then you have the options to build on that foundation. You're going to build a building. Now, let's say it's actually the temple of God. Let's say it's going to be for God. It's going to be for His praise and His honor. That's what verses 16 and 17 are talking about in a sense. So let's say you're going to build this thing for God and you have absolute resources. There's no limit to how much you can spend, okay? Just imagine you're absolutely limitless in your money to build on this foundation. And do you realize as a Christian that you are limitless in what you can do because of the dwelling of the Holy Spirit in you, right? That's what the Bible says. So let's say you're going to, you can do anything you want with your foundation. You go out there, and the word uh, precious stones, by the way, probably refers to granite or marble. Uh, If you're going to build a lasting building, um, granite and marble are a good choice to build with. Wouldn't you agree? A great solid granite marble thing 
overlaid with gold and silver. Uh, that would be a great building. But you know what some Christians do? They build out of wood. Wood frames around the door and windows. And then hay. Uh, and here's a person with the same resources, the same Holy Spirit, same power, and he says, Here, God, how do you like it? Wood, hay, stubble. And here's another Christian over here. Granite, gold, silver. And look, God says, well, hey, look, wood, hay, and stubble aren't evil. It's just worthless. It's just a zero. Uh, you're a Christian. Our foundation is the same. But it isn't really fitting to put a mud hut on the foundation of Christ, is it? Because there are different kinds of material you can use. Well, and you say, well, spiritually speaking, Dave, what does this mean? Well, gold would be the, the very finest service a Christian could render, the, the most godlike, the most Christ-like thing possible, uh, the most dedicated, the most self-sacrificing, most total commitment you could ever give in your life. Uh, gold would be the supreme sacrifice, uh, right? The, the most godlike, Christ-like things in terms of your attitude and actions. Silver would be next to that. And only God can evaluate those things. That's the point. Uh, and we could talk, look, don't stand in judgment on somebody else's uh, house and what they're building. You don't know. And don't try to evaluate it good or bad. The only one who's going to do the evaluating is God himself. And so you have then uh, precious stones would be next to that. Again, now wood, hay, and stubble, there aren't evil. That's the point. There are things you can fill your life up with that aren't evil. They're just worthless in terms of eternal value. Uh, you know, stubble you can make a bird's nest with or something. It's not evil. It's just worthless. It's not fitting. So number four is the test. Let's go to the test. Uh, once the building's up, uh, there's going to be an inspection. Uh, let's look at verse 13. Each man's work will become evident, for the day will indicate it, because it is revealed with fire, and the fire itself will test the quality of each man's work. Do you understand that? That's a clear thing in Scripture. The quality of your Christian life is going to be evaluated, not for judgment, but for reward. And so um, your building's going up. Uh, that's true. With any building, there's always an inspection, right? There's going to be an inspection. Uh, there's coming a day when everybody's work, my life's work, your life's work is going to be tested. It's just like we're all going to take our buildings up to heaven and God's going to light them on fire and see what stands. That's exactly what Paul's saying here. He's going to, God's going to take, we're going to take our spiritual house that we've built. God's going to put it through the fire and only those things of gold, silver, precious stones are going to be left. Wood, hay, and stubble, it's going to burn. The others are not consumed. Every man's work is going to be tested. Why? Why? 
Why is this going to happen? So that God himself can, can determine what is left. And on what's left, he's going to do what? Punish you? No. What? Reward you. This is not about punishment. It says, every man shall have praise. Don't you want to hear that from God himself? You, you may only have a little piece of precious stone and, and a little chunk of gold left in your little pile when the fire's gone through, and God's going to say, here's your reward. You were faithful in this. Everyone shall have praise. Uh, and, and you say, well, Dave, what is, what is this day is going to declare it? What is the day? You see that phrase, the day. The day, the day when Christ returns. And he says again, behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, 8, that I am looking forward to a crown. The Lord is going to give to me and not to me only, but to all them that what? Love his appearing. The Lord is coming, and he's going to not only come and get us, but he is bringing reward. It's going to be given when he comes. And it's not a penalty, it's a reward. So you see, he's simply using the idea of fire here, not as damnation, but fire in terms of combustible materials of your building. So whatever's left, God's going to reward for you. Reward you for it. Pretty clear. Pretty clear. Number five, lastly, Paul um, takes a specific look at the workmen and how they build and how they're rewarded. Verses 14 to 17, it says, If any man's work which he has built on it remains, he will receive a reward. If any man's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet as through fire. Do you not know that you are a sanctuary of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the sanctuary of God, God will destroy him, for the sanctuary of God is holy, and that is what you are. So in verses 14 to 17, he lists out three workmen. He, he lists out the constructive workmen, uh, the worthless workmen, and the destructive workmen. So first of all, let's look at the constructive workmen. Uh, there are some who do constructive work. They built well. Uh, they had sound doctrine in their lives, and they, they taught sound doctrine, and they built a solid building. Uh, they had right motives, proper conduct, effective service. And when the fire was over, man, it, it was still there. It was still there. All those things they had done. Uh, verse 14, again, if any man's work remains, he's built on it. it, it he, he shall receive what? A reward. God says, I'm going to reward you for whatever remains after this time of evaluation. Look, whenever you teach someone the truth, uh, that's, that's gold, silver, precious stone. Uh, when, I, when I teach a principle that's truly out of God's word, that's gold, that's silver, that's precious stones. Uh, whenever 
your life, you, you, you learn sound doctrine and you obey sound, sound doctrine and you teach somebody else sound doctrine. Uh, that's gold, silver, precious stones. Uh, whenever you're motivated by uh, the unselfish love for the glory of God, that's gold in your life. And your service is spiritually beneficial and faithful. That's gold. That's precious stone. And God knows. You don't have to worry about what somebody else thinks about you. God knows he's going to evaluate the true motives of your heart, and you will be rewarded. And you might say, well, Dave, what are the rewards going to be? And the answer from Scripture is clearly this, crowns, crowns. If I had time, we could go into all these, but I just want to share these uh, few with you. The Bible talks about many crowns, many different kinds of crowns. Uh, there are incorruptible crowns, 1 Corinthians 9, which is for those who are faithful to Scripture, obedient, self-sacrificing. The Bible talks about the crown of righteousness for those who are faithful until Jesus comes. 2 Timothy 4.8 talks about the crown of rejoicing. First uh, Thessalonians 2, 19 and 20, uh, for those who will win souls, uh, the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5, 4, for those who are faithful pastors. Uh, James 1, 2 talks about the crown of life for all who love him sacrificially. Crowns, crowns. And I don't know what else. Uh, I don't know how the rewards are going to work out. I don't know how it is that God's going to reward us unless it's a greater capacity for praising Him, for honoring Him, for giving Him glory. But somehow He's going to reward us if there's anything left. That's why He says at the end of verse 10, every man should be careful how he builds. All right, there's a second group of workers, uh, verse 15. The second are the worthless ones. The fire will test, and there might be, honestly, there might be a lot of flames uh, that go up for some people in their, <laughs> in their Christian life. But he still will be what? Saved. Saved. He'll suffer loss, but not the loss of his salvation. And you say, well, what's the loss? The loss of what? Well, all that building's that you've been building in your life is coming down. All that building is going to burn up in the combustible uh, flames of wood, hay, and stubble. You'll lose all that. All the sleepless nights of you pursuing worthless ambition is going to burn up and, and will not stand. The Lord will not praise you for that. And, and so you're saying, man, Dave, are you saying, oh, all my life I was doing this thing and I was, I was pouring into this and it's all stubble? I'm sorry about that, man. But it's true. You just wasted your life. Make sure you're doing the best thing. Not the good thing, the best thing. Make sure you're using yourself in the best way. And you know, this is very, very personal to me, even this morning. Where I'm at in my own life, it's been very important for me to evaluate, am I in a position where I could do 
the best things. Because I could spend my life doing a lot of good things. There are a lot of things I could do that are good things, and, and a lot of things that I know how to do, uh, and could even do them reasonably well. But I know that the best thing that I can do and the thing which God has most singularly gifted me to do at this time is to teach and to be an elder at Redemption Hill Bible Church. So even though there are other things that I could do with my time, if I were to lose myself in that, in those things, and cease to be able to do what is the best thing, I'd be piling up stubble in my life that will not last. Now you'll suffer loss. And you say, well, what do you mean loss, Dave? What do you mean by loss? Uh, You're going to lose reward. You're going to lose reward. You're going to get up there and say, wow, look at that. Isn't that a terrific mud hut? You mean it, it all goes for nothing? You lose reward. Uh, John said in 2 John 2, or 2 John 8, 2 John verse 8, he says this, See to yourselves that you do not lose what we accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Don't waste your time on wood, hay, and stubble. Find out what your spiritual gift is and use it. Uh, Hold fast. Don't let anyone take your crown. That's what the Lord said to the church in Philadelphia in Revelation. And Paul feared this, right? Paul, what was Paul's greatest fear? That he would somehow be a castaway, forfeit his reward. You can lose your reward if what you've done in your life is absolutely worthless. There's going to be a third group, and we'll close with this, the destructive workmen. And this has a reference to unbelievers. It can be outside the church or inside the church. They destroy that which uh, God has endeavored to build. Verse 16, uh, do you not know that you are a sanctuary of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If any man destroys the sanctuary of God, God will destroy him. For the sanctuary of God is holy, and that's what you are. That's a great thought, isn't it? You know that you are, as an individual Christian, the temple of God. Did you know that? 1 Corinthians 6, 19, right? You are the temple of God. But did you know that the church collectively is God's temple? And do you know that the church is sacred to God? Let me just um, give you a quick uh, example of that, right? What happened to somebody in the Old Testament when they walked into the Holy of Holies? What was the cost? Their life. Their life. I mean, you go into, in the Old Testament, you go into the Holy of Holies, and you were dead, man. It was death. And so do you think that God is less jealous of his spiritual house than he was of his earthly one? Do you really think that he's less jealous than he was of his physical one? No, God is more jealous for the purity of his church. God wants a a pure church. God doesn't look kindly 
on anyone who would come against his church or anyone who would defile it or destroy it. But there are some people in this world who are trying to destroy the work that God's people are doing. God is jealous of his own. God will destroy anyone who destroys his church. Somebody comes along and tries to hinder the work of the church. Someone tries to come along and tries to remove the foundation of Christ, sets himself in a position to be destroyed by God. So Redemption Hill, there's coming a day of rewards, and it's going to happen when Jesus comes, and there's not going to be time for you to fix things up. You'll be gone. It'll happen fast. And I want to close by asking these questions. What's going to happen to you when you face that time? What is your life uh, going to be? What will it amount to be? And I trust that you'll have some crowns. And uh, one of the reasons I've stated that we want to have a crown is to show the Lord we love him and show him faithful service. But another reason is so that we can cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus in full praise and adoration. So let's pray. Lord, I thank you for uh, your word, which is, in fact, living and active. I thank you for this reminder that how we live our life as a Christian really matters. We don't want to build mud huts on the solid foundation and have so little praise. We want to be like the Apostle Paul. If we're going to run the race, we want to run it to win. If we're going to fight, we want to fight to win. We want to be all in, not for our own crass benefit, but so that we can receive from you the highest praise. We want to ascend that Bema seed and have the evaluation of our life as one that has built the Christian life with solid materials, non-combustible materials. And so I pray, Lord, that that would be true of my life and that would be true of the life of those who make up Redemption Hill Bible Church, that we would be those who live godly lives all in so we can hear, well done, good and faithful slave. And we ask it all in Christ's name, amen.